Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, 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 and God bless everybody who is under the sound of my voice right now and all of the children of God in the world today. Praise God, we are here, uh, and we are DPW, Disciples of Promise, LLC. We are Disciples of Jesus Christ. D stands for discipline, P stands for purpose, W stands for wisdom. My name is Rochelle and I am here with Christiana and today we are talking about the kingdom of God, living kingdom in today's world. Okay? We are discussing some very important things that have to do with some things that we've had to deal with in pertaining to business and life and the world and the church, um, we have discussed the subject a little bit, and we have a few things to say. And one of those things would be the kingdom of God is all God's people, not just one group or another group or one title, another title, one building, another building, one area, another area. In the Bible, that's referred to as schisms, you know, that one little, or schisms, that one little group, that one little area that's special. The only people that the Bible talked about that were special had to do with the Jewish nation. Um, But God has, thank you, Jesus, he has blessed us to be able to come into his kingdom as adopted children of God and told us that we could re-inherit, we could inherit the kingdom of God. We inherit the ability to be saved. We've inherited the ability to receive the Holy Spirit. We have inherited the promises of his word. We have inherited the blessings of his children by circumcision of our hearts, you know, we are now members of his family. We have come into a position where there are certain things, certain blessings that he's given us that are abundant, and he wants us to live abundantly in him with joy and peace and love, you know, and we talk a lot of these things, but a lot of times, In today's society, things don't quite look the way that they looked in the Bible. They don't look the way that people would expect them to look because over time as things change, as people change, um, the world changes. The, the The way the business works changes. The way that the churches operate changes. The way that clothing styles fit changes. The way we wear our hair changes. Our ideas change. Our definitions in today's society, that's huge. Our definitions for the exact same word has changed repeatedly over time in many cases. Um, Today, holiness doesn't mean the same thing to a lot of people that it meant 20 years ago, 40 years ago, okay, It was something totally different, held a different way, treated a different way. The same thing with the Bible, the actual book, the Bible. There was a time period when nobody would doubt, you know, would dare touch the Bible or change anything pertaining to it because it was considered sacrilegious. You didn't change a word. You didn't change the cover. It was the Bible. It was meant to be treated a certain way, talked about a certain way, carried a certain way. You didn't change it it was considered something that you did not mess with because it was given by God, not a book 
it was a holy book. Today, a lot of people see the Bible as a good book. It is a good book, but it is also a holy book. Um, So we are talking today about the differences between now and some years ago and what the Bible has to say about it. And, Christiana, how are your feelings on this subject? It's funny, Rochelle, because we were talking earlier about how different churches and things are doing different things just to stay relevant, to stay up with the time so that people will listen to them and not fall asleep and things like that. And I think um, both of us, well, I'll just speak for me personally, I am very glad that people are willing to let go of tradition in order to get to the meat of the issue of the kingdom, of the gospel. Um, Sometimes traditions do get in the way of different generations understanding each other, and unless they understand why they're doing a certain tradition, it becomes irrelevant, just something that you do, like a routine. And it's not about a personal relationship with Christ. It's not about growing to maturity in the Lord. It's not about really extending the kingdom or remembering what God has done for us. It's just something that they do. It's a routine. And so when you are willing to let go of the routines, for the sake of the gospel, that's a good thing. But what I'm seeing sometimes is that people are so into the times that instead of ushering people into the kingdom, they are in a way ushering the church into worldliness. And that I do not agree with because the church and the world are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be peculiar people, a chosen people, a chosen generation, the Bible calls us a peculiar people, and we're supposed to come out from among them and be separate. So there's supposed to be something different about the church than it is about the world. And so bringing the church into the world for the sake of the world does not bring the world out. It brings the church into an unhealthy culture. And that's why when it comes down to it, you have to believe and understand that the word of God is forever, that God has not changed. There's nothing new under the sun to God. So anything that God has given us is not outdated. Unless he gives us something to replace what he has originally given us, we use what God has given us until he gives us something else. You know, when the children of Israel were walking around, after they were freed from slavery in Egypt, they were sent to go to a special promised land. And during that time, their sandals did not wear out. They were hungry, and God sent food from heaven. They were thirsty, and God sent water from rocks. God provided for them. And in that way, he was able to preserve what he gave them so that they would always have enough and that it would always be what they needed. But when it was time for them to go into the promised land, they weren't supposed to keep eating that manna. And so in that way, I see that as far as traditions, certain traditions that we have, they are good for the time. They are good for our preserving and for our growth and to keep us going And then sometimes the Lord gives us a new assignment or new instruction. Mm -hmm. However, if the Lord has not given you new instruction, you don't forsake what he's given you. Mm -hmm. And God has given us his word, and it's profitable for instruction. And God has not sent us something to do away with this. It's amazing. The, The Old Testament had all of the law, all of the rules, all of the ordinances of the Jewish people. When Jesus came... He didn't say don't follow those laws. He said, I'm here and I'm explaining to you the heart of the laws. He said, you have heard an eye for an eye. But I'm going to say to you, you know what? If somebody tells you, give me your cloak, give them your jacket too. If somebody tells you to go one mile, you go two. They did that eye for an eye thing in the Old Testament because people were going overboard. You know, somebody was being offended because maybe – someone accidentally killed their cow, and they were knocking out people's whole flocks. That's the sort of attitude that they were having. So to keep them from going overboard, they said, no, 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 no. If it's an eye, it's an eye. That was Old Testament just to keep people from going overboard and totally destroying each other over little stuff. But Jesus is going further, and he instructed them, you know what, be unoffendable. In the Old Testament, it was don't be so offended that you go overboard and destroy your brother. New Testament just went further. It did not negate what was originally said, but it went further. And it's amazing. 
when God gives us new instruction, he doesn't negate what he said because God doesn't go against his word. He just does an addendum or an improvement or a deeper revelation of the word that he originally gave. You know, I I was even thinking just now of um, when Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Jacob. He went up to the hill to sacrifice him, and God stopped him. Okay, let me let me just go through the whole story. I'm sorry, Abraham and Isaac. Wrong person. Jacob came. Anyway, moving on. Um, so Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice the, his only son that God promised him. He had that son when he his wife was 90-something years old, had that son. It was a miracle. And then God told him to go up to a mountain and to sacrifice that only son that he gave him. And Abraham was getting ready to do it. He took Isaac up there with him. He laid him out on the altar. He had the knife out. He was ready to do it. And God stopped him and said, there's a ram in the bush. Now, that might be an example of God going against his word, but he didn't. He told him to make a sacrifice. And then, in turn, he provided a better sacrifice for him. When we follow God's instructions, God gives us greater revelation so that we can grow in our maturity in him. He's not going to go against his word. And so, for me, it's a difficulty when the church starts bringing in things that God said he was displeased with to try and get the world to accept them as cool and the new and latest thing and something that they want to be a part of. The Bible says that if he would be lifted up, he would draw all men unto him. So our job is not to bring ourselves down into the gutter and act like the world to get the world. We don't have to do that. The Bible says that we are just to lift Christ up. And he will draw all men unto him. And so when it comes to this, bringing in certain things into the church that just don't belong there. I have heard of pastors cursing in the pulpit, but my Bible says that corrupt communication or foul communication corrupts good manners. And so the Bible speaks directly against foul communication, not even necessarily cursing, but just foul communication at all. And if the world considers cursing to be foul, the church should not be saying anything less than that. Like, even the world says that these certain things are unacceptable. The church shouldn't be anywhere near that line. And so I disagree with things like that, along with people encouraging promiscuous clothing to try and get husbands. That's not what the Bible says to do. You're supposed to look your best, yes, but you're not supposed to be enticing people to sin. It says not to be a stumbling block to your brothers. And so for the church to be promoting clothing that is indecent or exposes a woman in a way that causes men to lust or exposes men in a way that causes women to lust is going against the word of God. And so I understand progression and relevance. But my bottom line is the kingdom of God is always relevant. God's word is always relevant. Second Timothy 3.16 says the word is profitable for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for rebuke, reproof, for doctrine. So this word is forever relevant. And so I disagree with throwing out or ignoring the instruction of God for the sake of being relevant. However, I also believe that there is a balance here with when it comes to tradition. Certain traditions are good. They are wonderful traditions. But for younger people, if you can't explain a tradition in a way that helps them understand their relationship with God better, then you cannot justify forcing them to do a tradition that is not applicable to their faith. Rochelle? I agree. You should not be doing something that you don't believe in, something you have no faith in, something you do not comprehend or understand. And the Bible says that the old are supposed to teach the young. You know, it, there's a whole area in James that talks about that, the old teaching the young, the older women teaching the, the younger women, the, the older men teaching the younger men. You know, we are supposed to pass down knowledge. We are supposed to pass down wisdom. We are supposed to teach our children by the wayside. You know, we're supposed to teach them as we walk. We're supposed to teach them when we talk. And we do. We do. The thing is, what are we teaching them? If 
we don't know how to commit to anything. How are we going to ever teach our children to commit to anything? In order to maintain a job, you have to have a certain level of commitment. In order to maintain a family, you have to have a certain level of commitment. In order to keep a home, you have to have a certain level of commitment. Commitment is not optional. It is not a bad word. It is very important to stay saved. You have to be committed to what you're doing. You have to care about it enough to consider that to be a treasure in your heart that you're not going to change for anybody. You're not you're not going to be budged or moved or forced to do anything that you don't believe in because you've chosen God. That's that's major. That is a commitment. You know, there's a difference between uh um let me put it this way, classic clothing and trendy clothing. You know, classic clothing goes from generation to generation to generation and it's always it always looks nice. It's always appreciated. It's seen as being something that is nice. You know, it's good. It's something that's always uh something you can use, always something you can rely upon, always something that just looks nice. It's based in something that makes sense. It just looks nice on the person who wears a classic piece of clothing. Whereas trendy clothes, they come in and they may be fun and they may look really interesting and they may cause lots of conversation, but they're going to be out real soon. Same thing with technology. Look how fast 8-track tapes came in and went out for those who are old enough to know what 8-track tapes are. Look at how um, quickly you know, certain things just came in and went out. Black and white TV really didn't last all that long before color came on the scene. You know, there's game systems. They come in, they go out. Uh, the telephone, look at what we're doing with the telephone. We've gone from landlines, everybody having a landline, to most people having cell phones in a pretty much a not, not too much of a long period of time. It switched up pretty fast. Um we, as the church, should be experts at commitment, you know. And when I say in the church, I'm not meaning the buildings. Once again, I mean the people of God, the, those of us who say that we're saved, those of us who say that we know Jesus, those of us who want to make it into heaven, those who want for our children and our families to live healthy, wholesome, clean lives and be able to be proud of what we've done when we leave here, okay? I mean, that can't be done without commitment. You know, when you establish something very strongly, a ministry, a business, a family name, and you are ready to leave the face of this earth and pass on to your reward, whatever that may be, for good or for bad, or evil, whatever the case may be, um, when you are ready to leave here, there is a word called legacy, okay? You pass down something to the people who you leave behind. You pass down a history, the fact that you existed, what you were good at, what you said, how you felt about things, an attitude. You know, you pass all these things down. They affect everyone around you. Nobody, it's amazing how God made us. Nobody is completely alone. Look around you. There are people all around you. And whether or not they know you, what you say and what you do affects them. If you start screaming, watch how many people turn in your direction. If you pass out on the ground, how many people are going to check to see what's going on? If you throw money up in the air, how many people are going to start diving for that money, okay? If you start singing, how many people are going to kind of look over to be kind of interested and see what's going on? We are not alone. We are connected to one another. And it's amazing how much of an effect one person can have on another so that every person who has ever 
lived on the face of this earth has affected the world globally when you think about it. I absolutely agree with Rochelle here. And even moving that further on to the church, what the church does affects the world, whether or not we recognize it or not, whether or not the world sees what's going on in our church buildings or not, or in our homes with our families or not. What the church does is affecting the world. And when it comes to that commitment and that steadfastness, you have to decide no matter what happens, what is not going to change about my faith? What is not going to change about my character? What is not going to change about my life? There are lots of things that can change. Like Rochelle said, clothing, hairstyles, jewelry setups, even jargon. But for the Christian person, what should not be changing? I believe that our reliance on the word of God and the spirit of God should never change. Our revelation of the word grows, but it doesn't change. And so this word of God that we have, we need to forever be seeking out more revelation of this word. One thing that should never change about the Christian is the Christian should always be studying their Bible. Not just for knowledge, but for personal application. And another thing that should never change about the Christian, at least I think, is the fact that we are seeking for our hearts to reflect the heart of God. That's his spirit. We are seeking to understand the world the way that God sees it and to operate with that understanding. Those are two things that should never change for the Christian person. Clothes change. Music changes. Um, Orders of service in churches changes. What the church looks like changes. But the heart of the Christian should always be seeking after a reflection from the heart of God. And they should always, always, always look for their instruction, for their correction, for their doctrine, for their reproof in the word of God. And in some cases, in some cases, in some churches, in some ministries, that is changing. And that is what I disagree with. Rochelle? I agree that we should definitely look to the word for our answers, our bottom line, because that's where our instruction is, okay? That's where the instruction comes from. It's not our idea. And even if someone told me, they said, even if the Bible did not exist today, according to the word, God still has revealed himself to the people, to all people, who he is. We still know right from wrong. At the bottom line, in our hearts, in our guts, in our guts, you know, you know when what you are truly doing is off. It's not It's not what God wants for you. It's not what God will have you do. It's not what pleases God. It's not what will be the best for your situation. And what's, yeah, it's not authentic to who God made you to be, you know, we have to come to the understanding that just being different is not good just for the sake of being different, okay? There used to be an understanding that if something was different, it wasn't good until it proved itself, you know? You can be different, but that doesn't say you're good. Mm-hmm. It could be different. Whatever it is you're working with, that doesn't mean that it's good. It just is different, you know? Every criminal that that's ever done a crime is different, but they're not necessarily good, not in the sight of God, not in the sight of the law. And speaking of the law, okay, we talk about uh, the law in the world as though it is the bottom line. When I'm going to say as a Christian, that is not the bottom line. Jesus is the bottom line. Okay, God's word is the bottom line. But as human beings in the world that you can see all around you, all the little the things that you can feel and touch, people say, even though you can't see or touch the law, that the law is the bottom line. You can touch it when it's written on paper, but you can touch the Bible too. 
okay? But the law is very important because they have people around to enforce the law, okay? They have police officers. They have the military, okay? They have the government. All of this is to enforce the law. Guess who enforces the laws of God? God's people. Guess where they check to make sure that they got it right? God's word. Okay? If those things are not in place, that's not of God. That is not of God. If You should be able to check in the word. And say, okay, yes, I'm on, I'm on, I'm right in line with God's word. That does not transgress against anything. If you mess up and you do something off and you go, like, I don't know what I did wrong, go to the word and look. And I'm going to tell you this other thing. When it comes to the law, the world's law is not necessarily good. It's not always good. Some laws are terrible. Some laws should be stricken from books. There are laws that are not there for our benefit. They are there for a particular group of people or a particular person's benefit. They are not necessarily there for our benefit. But the government will still hold you to them. You can still fight with them. I just read something the other day about a man who is being called on the carpet because he will not pay child support on a child that is not his. And it has been proven by testing that that child is not his child because a woman had his name put on a birth certificate. You know, there is no way, okay, when, when when a child is born, they don't have the father take a test to make sure he's the right father before the name is put on the birth certificate. They put on the birth certificate whatever name you tell them, okay? But yet and still in a court of law, that name being put on that birth certificate overrules a blood test, overrules DNA. That is not right. That is not justice. Somebody said justice is blind. It's written. Justice is blind all over the place. It's been written that way for years. I'm going to say true justice is never blind. Its eyes are wide open, and it has a heart. And its name, the heart of true justice, is God, his word, Jesus. Any Any other form of justice that does not have right and wrong at the heart of it is not justice at all. Okay? So when we're talking about God's people and we're talking about the kingdom of God, it really truly is a whole nother world. Every religion that's out there has their own perspective of an entirely different world set because their mind is trained to go a certain direction. Every single person has some form of what is referred to by the world as a religion. Even people who don't believe in God fall under a category when they say religion. What kind of religion are you? Everybody has something they can put there. Okay, they have levels of your belief or disbelief in God. They're a Satanist. They don't want to acknowledge what we believe at all in the Word. They don't. They won't. Don't want to acknowledge the truth of the Word of God. And if they do, it's just to go against it. To do what they think is what they want to do. Okay, whatever that is, that may be. Every religion has its rules. Even if you're not in a quote-unquote religion, it has its rules. You can say, I'm not religious, I don't go to a church, I don't have an affiliation with any organization that I'm really under, so I'm completely free. But the fact of the matter is, then you still have the law of the world. You are always going to be under some form of law. You will always be required to acknowledge some sort of order. So why not acknowledge the right and wrong of the word? Because it's set up so that we all love each other. The bottom line, it says all in all, is that we love each other, that we do to each other what we would have done back to us. 
You know, wouldn't it be awesome if we all truly treated one another with respect? Not what we want, you know, give me what I want. But even if you can't give me what I want, you could say, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not able to do that. But what I can do is this to help you out. I can give you information or I can send you over here. I can make a phone call. Let me help you out. That's caring. One more step over and it's love. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's just take a little bit of a step towards caring every day. And it gets you closer to God because there is no one who cares more than God about his creation. Christy? I absolutely agree about really submitting ourselves to the law of love because that's really what Christianity is. It's a law of love. Mm -hmm. It says all of the law can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of God's laws can be summed up in that. So that's why I call it the law of love, the Christian way. And in that, we need to care more about how our walk, our lives, the way we carry ourselves affects the quality of Christian life of other people more than we care about whether or not people think we're cool. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about submitting ourselves to the order of love, we have to be careful. We have to love other people enough not to do anything in front of them that might trip them up. And so if if we as Christians are choosing this law of love, then our actions are sort of governed by loving God and honoring God in everything that we do. And then loving our neighbor to the point where we're trying to make sure that nothing we do trips up their walk with the Lord. Whether it's a tradition, whether it's a non-tradition, whether it is the type of music that we listen to or don't listen to, whether it is the clothes that we wear or the clothes that we do not wear. The bottom line for the kingdom culture is that no matter what changes with the times, we need to stay relevant to the law of love more than relevant to the trends of the times. The church of God, and by that I mean all of the people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, should be a classic movement. Mm -hmm. Rochelle talked about the difference between classic and trendy. Classic is forever. Trendy is here and gone. The church should be forever, not just here and gone. Because we are here to establish the kingdom of God, which is forever. And so we need to be very introspective or thinking into ourselves, looking at ourselves a little bit to decide are we being trendy or are we being classic in our relationship with the Lord Mm -hmm. in the way that we do the service of the church. It's okay to be trendy on the surface, but at the heart of the matter, we need to be steadfast, firm, committed, classic in our faith and in our desire to do the will of God. And so we are getting ready to do this fashion show tomorrow. And people look at us funny, Rochelle, when we talk about we're a a business and a ministry and and our first major event of the year is a fashion show. Everybody's like, wait, what? But our theme is fearfully and wonderfully made. And the reason is that we want people to hold on to the core Hold on to their faith and to the tradition of love for God, for themselves, for other people. But then to be able to carry themselves in a way that is fashionable, appropriate for the time, and yet kingdom in a way where we are lifting up the kingdom of God and the way that we carry ourselves in such a way that it draws people to Christ not just to us. Mm -hmm. So, Rochelle, can you talk about that a little bit? 
Oh, yeah. In the process of drawing people to Christ, we don't want to hammer or destroy people. We want to show them love and yet and still remember what Jesus told us at all times, you know, that we should be modest, you know, be modest in our thinking, be modest in our lives, be modest in the way that we do what we do because modesty is not an extreme, you know, Think about it. Every extreme that you can think of just about is against the law of God. Okay? Eating too much is gluttony. Okay? If you talk too much, usually it's somewhere between pride, arrogance, gossiping, et cetera, and so on. Okay? Extremes tend to not do so well. You can either be extremely happy, extremely sad, for me, I get extremely happy. I get dizzy, practically ready to pass out. There are people who pass out when they get too excited. Okay, other people, they get extremely sad, very, very sad, people with severe depressive depression issues, and they can't hardly function. Some people can't be still. Some people can't function. But if you're in the middle, if there is a balance, if there is a modest amount, of what you need in place, then you can stand strong. It's like when um, when you're told to stand up and march, okay? Before you march, you have to get your bearings. You have to make sure that both feet are on the ground a certain way. If you've ever marched in a band or if you've ever been in the military or anything like that, uh, even when you're dancing, they suggest that you make sure that your feet are situated a certain way on the floor so that you have balance before you do anything. You practice being balanced, staying on balance. That's the one thing, no matter what, you stay balanced because when you are balanced, it's harder to fall over. It's harder to be hurt. You know, it's less likely that you're going to get hurt. It's less likely you're going to hurt somebody else if there is balance. You are not extremely one way. You are not extremely the other. You are allowing for a little bit of variance, but you are in the middle, okay? Because we are human beings, we are not perfectly still. Nothing is perfectly still until it's dead. Unless or until it is dead, nothing is perfectly still. So allow for the balance. Allow for the wobbling back and forth a little bit in the middle because it helps create a sense of balance. Balance is not exactly still. It is a balance between back and forth, okay? It's in the middle, okay? It means it's what it takes for you not to fall over. It's what it takes for you to be able to stay upright. It's what it takes in order for you to be able to move in any direction successfully. You have to have balance, okay? So in God's people, we need to acknowledge at all times the importance of being balanced in our choices, balanced in our time that we spend in dealing with worldly things. When I say worldly things, I mean in dealing with people who are out in the world, in listening to music even. When you go into the grocery store, nine times out of ten, the music that you hear on that PA system is going to be secular, Okay. When you um, go and you talk to people, just randomly talk to people on the streets, the chances of you hearing profanity are extremely high, especially if something big is going on, okay? You don't want to stay in that if you don't have to stay in that because we are learning all the time. We are human beings. We were made to learn constantly until the day we die. We are constantly in a state of learning. We pick up the things that are around us, and they become a part of who we are. Our eyes, our ears, our noses, our mouths are all avenues that lead inside of us. We are beings that exist because we breathe. So we breathe in and out, and we hear things. And we speak and we are spoken to. There's an in and out. There's that balance again, the in and out, okay? 
earlier, uh, Christy said yin and yang about different types of things, how things work, how it wasn't on the phone, it was, or or over the talk show, it was in person. We were talking and she was discussing something about how um, things can balance out because sometimes one person is good at something, another person is good at something else, but when they work together, it kind of covers all the ground, Okay. We as Christians need to understand that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That is an area of balance, okay? It is an area of balance. And there are some customs that we're going to choose to follow and some that we need to follow, some traditions that we choose to follow, some that we need to follow. But there has to be a balance. And you don't uh, you don't want to be too rash, too much in a hurry to make a decision concerning certain things because you don't want to, they say, throw out the baby with the bathwater, okay? You don't want to throw out the old completely because it has roots. There's something valuable there, and roots feed the tree of life. You know, it feeds into everything else. It ha- it affects everything. The past affects your present. It affects your future, but you don't want to throw out what's relevant either, what's present, what is today, because you lose the ability to be able to communicate effectively with young people, to be able to communicate effectively with the world. Yes, Christiana said you need roots and branches. We need roots and branches. The If the roots fought with the branches and the branches fought with the leaves, what good is the tree at all? So God has made us that way. There's actually a scripture that comes close to that. Okay? God plants, you know, one plants, another one waters, and God gives the increase. There you go. One plants, another waters, but it is God who gives the increase. Okay? We have a balancing act here. We're not supposed to be on one side or on the other as far as extremes are concerned. When and I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one step further. You can be too religious. You can be so religious until you X out God <laughs> for in favor of your own opinion. You can kick God to the curb and say, I am so religious. I'm so religious until God is me. Um You've just gone to an extreme. That's the extreme. When God is you, you are God, or you are better than God, or God does not exist, that is an extreme. Okay? The other extreme would be to say he does not exist at all, and you don't, or if he does, you don't care. You're going to do what you want to do. And ironically, they both kind of look the same. They both kind of look the same. Isn't that funny? You can go to one extreme and say, I don't need religion, or you can go to the other extreme and say, I'm so religious, I don't need God. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. The balance. God holds us in his hand. He keeps us safe. He protects us. He created us. He loves us. And the world itself revolves on an axis. That is a balance. Without that sense of balance, nothing exists. Everything has to have a purpose. Purpose is a balance. Christiana? Absolutely. Purpose sort of gives us our point of movement. Um, And it's amazing. You're talking about the world being on that axis and having that balance and, and having that sort of way that we do things. The bottom line is when it comes to the Christian life, Christ is our point of reference. Mm -hmm. And so other things might change, but they always come back to the point of reference. And we know when we've gotten out of balance because Christ is no longer the point of reference. Mm -hmm. And so with that tree, that tree we talk about, the church tradition, the roots being the old way and the branches sort of being the new way, the leaves are sort of that trendy stuff that comes and goes. 
But our reference point should always be Christ. And if our reference point is always Christ, then that's going to keep us going in the right direction. It's going to keep us rooted as well as growing. We want to be rooted and growing Mm -hmm. as a church, as a people, as an individual. My personal relationship with God should be growing. It should be grounded in the fact that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again and that he's on the right hand of the Father making intercession. He's interceding on my behalf Mm -hmm. because God loved me that much to make that sort of sacrifice. That's my root. My branches should be that now God is showing me new ways to love him and to love people mm-hmm. and what really matters to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about in Isaiah when it talks about people who are fasting and they would put the dirt on their heads and they would make their face really grimacing. And he talked also about the people that were praying loudly in church, sort of making it into a, a show. And he's like, that's not what God has required. And so I think for you were talking about the extreme of being so crazy religious Mm -hmm. that you sort of take God out of the equation. You're making up rules that God never said. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. once again, if God is our access point, if he is our trajectory point, if he is our center, our point of reference, then things like that don't happen as easily and things like that don't happen as quickly or as easily. And when somebody tries to spin us in the opposite direction that we're supposed to be going, we're like, "Uh uh-uh, something's not right because you're messing with my reference point. Mm -hmm. And so it it just goes back to the word, Mm -hmm. the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was the word made flesh. Mm -hmm. And therefore the word is Jesus made word. (laughs) You know, so when we're looking at this Bible and when we're grappling with it, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what we're reading and what we're watching, what we're trying to apply into our lives, that is us going back to the reference point. And so I'm I'm the type of person, I love trendy things. I do. I like different styles. I like things that are different and unusual and unique. But for me, it's like, tell me why you're doing this. What's the point in this? Because if I can get with the point as to why this is happening, then I can get with the tradition or the new trend of what's happening. And it's the same way in the church for me. Because the Bible says in all things to make your moderation known unto all men. And so for me, my point of moderation is I'll do something that might seem extreme, but I have to have a really good reason so I can tell people why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that explanation in and of itself might lift up God. Sometimes people do trendy stuff in church, like people wearing jeans and T-shirts. I uh, remember I took a class in the church. I took a class in the tradition of the church and the modern church and things like that. And there was a video we were watching where a man, he set up his church to look like a cafe. People walked in. And there was like a juice bar there, and there were couches and things, and that's where they had their church. That was church. Why did you do that? Because he wanted it to be more conversational, and so he switched it up. But what he was doing was attracting people to a conversation that was about Christ. And so I can get with that sort of trend. You know what I mean? But when the church is doing stuff that's trendy and the reasoning is not rooted, i.e., the roots, in the word of God, then I'm just kind of like, hmm. Because in my mind, that balance for me of being in the world but not of it is this. I assess whether or not something is good for my life by whether or not it's moving me toward God or away from God. And here's the thing. Toward God is focusing on who God is and what God wants. Away from God is focusing on me and what I want. So when it's so focused on me, I know it's not right because that's the opposite of focusing on God. So many times people are like, you know, stuff is evil and terrible stuff. If it has to do with like devil worship or if it's criminal or it doesn't have to be all that. All it is is being too self-focused. It doesn't even have to get that far. 
But if I am so focused on myself, I know that I am doing something that's not quite right. It might be trendy, but it's not right according to the word of God. I got to check myself at my roots to see if the way that my tree is leaning, if the way that my branches are leaning are pulling up my roots, then something needs to be adjusted there. And so that that's where I get my reference of balance. When we're focused on the kingdom of God, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. In other words, if you run towards me, I'm going to run towards you and take care of your business. I tell Rochelle all the time, if I take care of God's business, God is going to take care of my business. Sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves and trying to take care of ourselves that we walk away from the mission that God has for us in the kingdom of God. And in that moment, we lose because we, in and of ourselves, do not have all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the understanding, or all of the power to achieve everything that we really want. And even if we get that stuff that we quote-unquote want so badly, that we need so badly, a lot of times we find out that it's empty. My pastor says all the time he counsels millionaires who have beautiful wives who don't want to go home. It's because they were seeking the stuff, and they realized that that stuff wasn't fulfilling what they needed. The stuff that really fulfills us is in the kingdom of God. So as we run towards the kingdom of God, as we look to God, just like that teeter-totter, as we run toward God, he runs toward us and to our needs and situations. The scripture goes further to say that all of these things will be added unto us, the stuff that we run away from God for. He's going to take care of that stuff if we run towards him. It's the same thing in the scripture that says that the person that tries to save their life is going to lose it. And the person that loses their life for the sake of Christ is the one that gains their life. If we run towards Christ, he's going to preserve our lives. But if we run to preserve our lives and we run away from Christ, we're going to lose eternal life. And so that's the balance that I would love to see in the kingdom of God, a people that are running toward God and not totally forsaking their health, but understanding as they run towards God, God is running towards them to make sure that they have the health that they need. And lifting up God in everything that they do so that other people might be drawn to this run. Rochelle? I agree. I believe that God acknowledges our efforts on his behalf. He acknowledges um, when we look to him. You know, he will answer. He said he would answer. He will answer. Um, his answers are not always right. His, um, as far as I'm not, didn't mean to say right, his answers are not always yes. His answers are not always yes. Okay? Sometimes his answers are not what we would consider the right answers, but they are because he is God and he knows best. And his answer that he gives us, sometimes is no. Okay? So I've asked and asked, let's say I've asked and asked and asked for one particular thing, and I've been asking for this thing, and I consider it to be good, and everybody around me considers that thing to be good, and everybody's been praying and fasting and praying and fasting, but maybe God says no because it's helping that individual who has to deal with that thing we're trying to get rid of to be able to focus on him better. Maybe the struggle that they are going through is going to save their soul and the souls of other people around them. Maybe that's why it exists, because it's to his glory. He's not, uh, um, the word is myopic, I believe, where you can only see one little thing, one little tiny thing, God is an almighty God, an everlasting God. He sees the big picture. He's all-seeing. He's all-knowing. We are a tiny bit of a huge picture. And even though this picture is really huge, he sees and hears us. He's made an agreement that he will answer us. 
that he will listen to us, that he will be there for us. And I think that's pretty awesome. It's like us saying we'll be there for a flea. (laughs) You know, if you call me, I'm going to have my ear tuned in, and I'm going to know exactly which flea it is, and I'm going to run to your rescue when you call me. And yet still, because he's God, he can do that. Because he, why? If it were him, he made the flea, he can do what he wants with it. You know, so he chooses to arrange things the way that he does, and he chooses to cherish and love us. He chooses to be there for us. He chooses to acknowledge our needs. And it's an awesome thing. And sometimes what we beg and plead for, he would love to give us, but in the big picture, that is not what's needed. That is not what would help. That it, that would not work in the long run. And so sometimes the answer is no. He's always right, but sometimes the answer that he gives us is no. Just like our children, we want to tell them yes. We love telling them yes. We want to see them happy. We want to give them everything that they want. If you are a good parent who loves your child, you want to see your child happy. But... You can't always tell them yes because it might hurt them. Mom, can I run into the street and play with little Johnny and his pet rat? No, you can't run into the street and play with Johnny and his little pet rat. The rat is wild. It came from out of the ground, you know. You can't tell that child yes and think that's okay uh, unless there is something wrong at the core, which would be with you Um, because that would be endangering the child. God is a better parent than that. He's going to take care of his own. He's going to watch out for us. He He loves us. Um, there's a scripture that keeps coming to mind, and I want to say it before we have to end our talk show. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If we could meditate upon that, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? He will make us trees that are planted by rivers of water that bring us forth our fruit in our season, and we won't wither. Christiana. That is the absolute perfect scripture for what we were talking about today. Now, if you remember, we started off, we're talking about the kingdom of God and how trends or relevance is an issue or a discussion in the kingdom of God. But we are relevant when we are in the will of God. No matter what traditions come or go, no matter what styles, cultures, customs come and go, True relevance is within the will of God. And so if we meditate on that scripture, we're not there to scorn other people. We're not taking counsel from people that aren't of God and don't know any of his wisdom. We aren't blocking the way for other sinners. We're not being a hindrance to people getting saved. We're just meditating on God's word and God's law. And remember, we talked about the law of the kingdom being love. Mm -hmm. It's the law of love. And we grow and we're nourished and we produce fruit. Perfect scripture to wrap up what we're talking about today. That is Psalm chapter 1. Read it, read it, read it if you can. Meditate on it. Pray about it. Ask God to show you how you can be that person that blessed person in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so one more time before we go, 
I want to remind you all that tomorrow, Saturday, February 28th, from 2 to 4 p.m., we are having our DPW Disciples of Promise Fashion and Style Show. There's also going to be a business and ministry expo. There are going to be prizes and drawings. You do not want to miss this event. This is the kingdom of God coming together to do a great work and remind each other and encourage each other that each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made with purpose and with pleasure in God's sight. So if you want to come to that event, you can go on to eventbrite.com. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.com and purchase tickets. There are adult tickets as well as children's tickets. Our models are from the age of five into the 40s. So we've got a great range of clothing, a wonderful designer, Diane Linston. She makes decent and beautiful clothing, and that is a woman, she is in her calling. She's in her anointing right there. She's been doing it since she's a teenager. Come out and see that. Come out and see us. We love you. You all have a blessed day. And remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made blessed in all that you do within the will of God. Have a great, great rest of your week, and hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. God keep you. And God preserve your soul from this day forth. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye-bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.